Well, we're going to continue on in our series, uh, and that title slide is a Greek word that stands for happiness, and we talked about that. We talked about how when we're, we're, we're looking at this word happiness in the Greek, uh, but it doesn't mean happiness based on circumstantial events, okay? It's happiness based in truth. It's happiness and joy based in something that is solid, the solid foundation, right? The gospel, okay, if we could say that. It's based upon truth, not, not things that are temporal, but things that are eternal. Okay, And when we get off that, when we become deceived and we miss that point, we're never going to find happiness. We're going to buy into lies, we're going to be deceived, and we're going to, be, we're going to potentially be convinced, if I could say it that way, we're going to potentially be convinced that if I could just obtain this, if I could just acquire this, or if this would happen, or if my, exter uh, my external circumstances would change, then I would be happy. That's a lie. We talked about that in the last series. That's a comfortable lie. That is not scripture. That is not the truth. But when we focus on truth, that's when we're going to see happiness. That's when we're going to, to um, have happiness and joy uh, overwhelm us. And so that's the series that we're in right now because right now we're living in a world, and we've been living in a world like this, guys, but we're living in a world that is so uncertain, okay? We are experiencing all kinds of things. There's things that's happening in your personal life. That's, there's things that's happening in my personal life where if we would take a step back and we would just look around and we could say, I'm not happy. This saddens me. This depresses me. This, this, this stresses me out. This creates some anxiety within me, and I don't like these things. And if we're not careful, we get fixated on those things. Instead, we need to look at what's eternal. And we can look at those things, and we can say, yes, those things, uh, those things are uncertain. Those things are you know, things that are heavy. Those things are things that I need to process. But my happiness and joy does not have to rest on those things or the changing of those things. I may wish they would change, right? And it would be great if some of those things did change. But at the end of the day, we have to believe the truth that says regardless of what takes place in and around us, I can still find joy and I can still find happiness because it's based upon truth. And so today we're going to continue looking in the, at the, in the letter of the Philipp, uh, Philippians that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. We know that Paul was sitting in prison. Uh, we know that he was chained uh, to a guard. We know that he um, uh, was, was, his circumstances was not good. He was li literally waiting for his execution is what, what, what would end up inevitably happening. But instead of being depressed, instead of being stressed out, instead of focusing on himself, Paul didn't do that. Paul looked and found joy because he focused his eyes, he fixed his eyes on that which was uh, changeless and timeless and eternal, and that was God himself. That was Jesus Christ. And so that's what brings joy. Now, as we look at, the, as we look at the, this letter to the Philippians, that's what we're going to experience. That's what you and I experience, okay? And so uh, if you would, turn with me to chapter 2, and let's take a look. Let's pick up in verse 12, and let's read uh, through verse 18. And he's, so his words say this, he's writing, and he says this in chapter 2, verse 12. So then, my dear friends, just, just as you have always observed or obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless 
in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world. Verse 16, hold firmly to the message of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. You know, one of the ways, one of the sure ways that we can understand and know that 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 I am that we're, that we're finding our happiness and joy in things that are circumstantial are thing is when we have these indicators in our life. If we have fear within our lives, fear is an indicator that we don't have joy uh, and happiness within our lives. That we're basing it on we're basing that on something else. Okay, uh, fear. Uh, anxiety, fretting over things, feeling guilty, feeling ashamed, uh, forgetting the truth, uh, becoming self-centered, all those things. And we could list many more things, but those things in itself are clear indicators that, that my joy, that our joy, the joy that I'm and happiness, that I, I'm basing it on circumstantial things, temporal things, and not eternal things. Now, some of those things Again, a big disclaimer, right? We may feel guilty and ashamed because we did something. I get that. I understand that. But let's be honest. There's a lot of times that we have this passing thought of shamefulness and guiltiness, and it's based upon Satan wanting to deceive us. Satan is the chief of all liars. He is an accuser, and he goes before God on a daily basis, and he accuses us. He's constantly going before God saying, see, look at him, see what they're doing. And Satan reminds us of those things. Satan reminds us of things. And we're going to get into this much deeper, okay? Because this passage of scripture that we just read really tackles that. Because what can happen is we say that we believe something. We say that we have faith. But yet when Satan runs this thing across our radar and it, and it produces this emotion within us, such as guilt or shame, something that I've been forgiven of, uh, years ago, uh, but Satan brings it up again, and I feel guilty, and I sh and, and then I feel guilty and ashamed. That's that's based on a lie. Somewhere our faith and our belief is a disconnect. Okay, throughout the Scripture, believe, believe, belief, and faith are synonymous. Okay, they're used synonymously. All right, so. What that means is, if I say I believe in something, that means that I act upon that. That means that I understand and I know the truth. It's not just head knowledge, but it's something that I truly believe. It's something that I'm putting into practice. I think of the words of James, right? James is a, is a letter written and he says, and I could par let me just paraphrase a passage where he says, you know, you show me your, you know, your works without faith. I'll show you my works with faith. I'll show you my faith in action. And what he's saying is simply that. He's saying, I believe this. And because I believe this, I put it in action. So therefore, guys, when Satan runs a lie across our radar, we don't become ashamed anymore. Like if it's something that he brings up of our past, we don't become ashamed. We don't feel guilty because we know that we've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus. I believe in that. Therefore, that produces what within me? It doesn't pr produce guilt. It doesn't produce shamefulness. It produces joy and happiness. I am a child of God. I believe that. And then we act upon that, okay? We don't take it for granted, but we, we, uh, we are grateful for that, and we praise Jesus for that, and we exalt Him. That's what we're learning in this book of Philippians, okay? That's what we're going to see. Now, I want you to take a look at this 
first verse uh, that we looked at in verse 12 because it looks like there's a paradox. It looks like Paul is presenting a paradox or an oxymoron, if I could say it that way. Because he says this in verse 12. He says, So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. Now listen, he says this, Work your work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here we go. It's a paradox, right? Or an oxymoron. Wait a minute, Paul. You're telling me, wait a second. You're telling me that there's nothing that I have to do for my salvation. You're telling me that I don't have to work for my salvation. You're telling me that there's nothing that I can humanly do to earn my salvation. Now you're telling me that I need to work out my own, my own salvation with fear and trembling. I don't understand that, Paul. And furthermore, that's when Satan comes with a lie and a you know, his deception, and he begins to produce this, this sense of fear within me because it's like, wait a second, I can't do this. And it can even lead to frustration. It can even lead to you know, us saying, what the heck? What the heck? I can't do this. This is too much. This is too great for me. This is, you know, I might as well just not even try, right? That's what some of us do. That's what some people, that's what they resign to. You know what? This whole faith thing, this whole Christianity thing, I can't live up to it anyhow. And then there are some people that actually try to do it. And they try to live out their faith and their salvation. And it's almost, I mean, it's absolutely impossible, but they drive themselves to, to utmost ends uh, of the earth to try to live it out in vain, okay? So what's the deal? Is that what Paul's saying? I don't believe that's what Paul's saying. I don't believe Paul's saying work out your salvation in the sense of you've got to earn your salvation. I think what he's saying is this. We're human and God is, going, God is chiseling away these areas within our lives that we're always in this, this, this sense of progress, right? This sense of process. This sense that we're always growing. So when we step back and say, well, I've arrived, that's a lie. We haven't arrived. As, as humans, we're still growing. We're still learning. And here's the key to prove my point. Here's the key. Satan draws us. He deceives us into, into this lie over here. It produces this emotion. I begin to believe this emotion over here. And then all of a sudden, I'm full of fear. I'm full of stress. I'm full of anxiety. I'm full of discouragement. I'm full of depression. I'm full of all these things because I'm believing in this lie. This lie is producing not the fruit of the Spirit in me. It's not producing hope and joy and peace and those things that the fruit of the Spirit does. It's producing quite the opposite, the antithesis, because I'm believing in something that's a lie. You see, I believe, and, and I just heard this from another, uh, another teacher, and I just, it, I, it, it just hit me, and I was like, that's exactly what it is. Here's what happens. I believe that God draws us or allows these things to happen so that He can continually chisel that away. He can continually say, Gail, do you see that you're buying into this? Gail, do you understand that by you what comparing yourself to this person, you're feeling you're feeling low, you're feeling worthless because you're buying into a lie, Gail. And I'm reminded again, okay, do I truly believe in the gospel of Jesus or don't I? And if I truly believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe that I'm created with a purpose. I'm created in His image. I'm created with a God-given identity that I don't have to compare myself to someone else, that God loves me just the, just the way I am in Him. 
Not in my brokenness, but in Him and how He wants to make me. So He continually chisels this away. I believe that's what Paul's talking about. Working at our salvation, continually chiseling away these things. Gail, you're buying into this, chiseling it away, chiseling it away, chiseling it away, so that I truly believe in the gospel of Jesus and not these other lies. Does that make sense? I believe that's what he's talking about. I don't believe he's talking about working. I know he's not talking about working out your own salvation because there is absolutely nothing that you and I can ever do to earn our salvation. Again, it's not for our salvation, but it shows our salvation, right? We are a work in progress, okay? And we have to understand that. Jesus said that when we know the truth, what will happen? The truth will what? Will set us free. That's the chiseling away. I believe he draws us to that to says, wait a minute, you're not happy. Your joy is being uh, is, is, is dissipating. Take a look at why. Because you're buying into a lie. And he chisel he chisels away and chisels away. And and we're we're you know when we discover that truth and we understand the truth and we, we live on the truth. It sets us free. What does Satan want us to live in? Bondage. Jesus says, you know the truth, it will set you free. There's nothing that Satan can do to you and I as a child of God. There is nothing he can do. The only thing he does, he plays head games with us, and we are the ones that buys into it from time to time. And if we can understand the truth, the truth will set us free. And we, consequently then, will have joy, true joy, in true happiness and what Paul's talking about, okay? Working at our salvation, working at, working it out, not working for it. So I want to be very clear because that first verse is very key. And let me just share with you why that's so key because we will read that first verse and we will stop there, right? Oh, gee, there's Paul talking about working our salvation. Well, let's go to verse 13 because verse 13 gives us the truth. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says this, for it is God who is working in you. And what is God doing in you? He's enabling you both to desire and to what? Work out His good purpose. That's the answer to verse 12. Paul's not saying it's up to you. Paul's saying it's God doing it in you. Guys, doesn't that produce joy within your life? Doesn't that produce this sense of happiness? I don't know about you, but I don't have that much faith in myself. You know, newsflash, right? I don't have that much faith in myself. I have failed many times when it comes to this. I have failed many times. But when I read that passage of Scripture that says, wait a minute, Gail, it's not up to you. I've never asked you to do it, Gail. I'm the one that's going to do it. I'm the one that's not only going to work it out, but I'm going to place the desire in you. That is incredible good news. Because left up to Gail at times, I want to do what Gail wants to do, and what Gail wants to do at times thinks it'll produce happiness and joy, but it never does. In fact, it creates the opposite, just like it does in your life. Just like it does in your life. God is the one. Isn't that awesome news? God is the one. Paul's saying, it's not you that's going to work it out. It's God that's going to work at it with you, but He's going to actually, even at the very initial stage and step, place the desire in you to work it out. See, if you don't even have the desire, you'll never do it. But God is going to place that desire within you, 
and enable you to have that desire and he's the one that's going to work it out. Guys, what's going to happen when God enables you to have the desire and, to, and for him, he, he's going to work those things out in you. What's going to happen? You are going to have an overwhelmingly sense of God joy and God happiness that's going to go above anything that's temporal, that's going to go above anything uh, that's circumstantial. That's when we truly experience uh, the joy and happiness that I'm talking about. The second thing we have to do, or I shouldn't say we have to do, but the sec second thing is we need to remember, again, that God is working it in us. And I just shared this with you. God is working in us. God is doing all the work, okay? And that's the second thing of verse 13, okay? I should have said, said that initially, but that is the second thing that takes place. The next thing that happens is we become very grateful. Do you see how this builds? Do you see how this builds? We're free. We're, we're you know, we're, 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 the truth has set us free. We, we remember, wait a minute. God is the one that's doing this in us. God's giving us a desire. God's doing this to us. God's not asking us to do it. It's not up to us. God's doing all the heavy lifting. All we get to do is to receive it and rejoice and be happy in it. And what happens is, I believe, what happens is in verse 14... We're not going to grumble. We're not going to murmur. We're not going to complain. We're not going to walk around like the 21st century Eeyores all the time, depressed, discouraged, and all these other things. We are going to be filled with, because we're filled with His joy and His happiness, we are going to be so grateful. What is the thing that dispels murmuring? What is the thing that dispels complaining? What is the thing that dispels all of that? Isn't it being grateful? Let me tell you something. When Satan wants to run something across your radar and wants to deceive you, and once you get on this path to start grumbling, oh, geez, there's that person again. Look what they did. Look at them. Look what they're, look, you know, they did this or they did that. Or look at this circumstance in my life. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. You know, or nothing ever goes my way. You know, oh, I'm always picked last. I'm always, you know, I'm always the loser. I'm always last person picked on the playground. That's how it always was when I was a kid. You know, woe is me and all these other things. When we begin to focus on that, what's going to happen? It literally sucks the joy and happiness out of our lives. Some of you have fallen in that trap. Some of you are in that snare. Satan has some of you so deceived that as a Christian, as a child of God, you have forgotten what God has done for you. You have forgotten. And because of that, you have fell into the trap of complaining and murmuring and becoming complacent. Man, we read about this throughout Scripture. Last week we read about it in Numbers 13, where, you know, in the, the children, you know, the, the, the Hebrews, the children of Israel uh, in the wilderness, and they grumbled and they complained. It all came to a head, and you know, to rebellion, um, uh, and so, we, and we saw they were so ungrateful, right? But when we, when we truly focus on what God is doing in us. And, and, and He's not asking us to do any of it, but He's giving it to us freely, we, become, we can become grateful. So when, the, when we start to think we need to complain and grumble, I'm telling you, if you would stop, if you would stop yourself and just begin to think about the things that you're grateful for, and maybe it's something, again, I'm just giving us little 
tat, little reminders, okay? Little things that we could do, that, that, like get up, get up uh, I, I've read this before, where starting your day, take a journal and start writing down everything that you're grateful for, everything that you've been blessed for. Remember the old hymn? Those of you that have been in church for a long time, it talks about count, count your many blessings, count them one by one. What happens? Our mind gets focused on those things. Our mind. Because that is where, that is the battlefield. Our mind is the battlefield. Satan wants to deceive. And when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Okay? You want to be free? You want to experience joy and happiness? Be grateful. Focus on what God has blessed you with. And you will become grateful. Okay? And you won't murmur. You won't complain. You won't grumble. But instead, you'll be grateful. The next thing is, that we live in Christ, okay? We live in His righteousness. Verse 14, we, 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 we live these lives of purity and blameless, okay? Um, that's what we strive for. That becomes our desire, right? And again, guys, when we're living in conjunction with the Holy Spirit that, that God places with it, He places His Spirit within us at that moment, I believe at that moment uh, of salvation. We have the Spirit. We have the Comforter. We have um, the, His power, His Spirit literally living in us. He will lead us into what? All the paths of righteousness and truth. When we, when we coincide, when we live in humility, like we talked about last week, when we live in humility with His Spirit, He is going to lead us into a life of blamelessness of purity, okay? And that's when, you know, when we live in Christ's righteousness, that's when we, we, we live a life that, um, you know what, if we would go back to uh, the, the last part of, of, of Philippians 1, Paul talks about us living worthy, uh, living our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. I think that's what that means. We live our lives in a, in a manner worthy of the gospel. It means we don't take things for granted. It means that we, we allow the Spirit of Christ to conform us, to continually, again, notch away those areas that need to be notched away. Okay, And that's when our lives become, uh, we live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel, pure and blameless. And that's what the world sees. We become lights, as he says there. Uh, we become lights into the world where the world sees the, our conduct, the way we live, the way we think, the way our, our joy and happiness is not from circumstantial events, but they're from, uh, they're, they're from something that is completely different. And they see that. And guys, that's when they, that's when God becomes glorified because that's when they want that. Because what they've been searching for does not produce the idols that they have in their lives, does not produce what they're truly looking for. Living our lives pure and blameless, living in Christ's righteousness that God gives us freely. And that's found in verse 15. Verses 16, we focus on God's word. God's word becomes our focus, right? It's the truth. That's how we combat Satan's lies, okay? We combat them not with our own ingenuity, our own creativity, our own intellect. We'll go down every single time. We don't have the power. We don't have the capabilities. We are, you know, when Paul writes about this in Ephesians, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and we talk about spiritual warfare, the, the war that's happening in the heavenlies that we can't see. We're, we can't go up against that. We do not have the power. And second of all, why would we ever do that? Why would we ever go up to, against something that, that, we can never, that we can never overcome, we can never defeat? We have, 
we have the power of God. God's the one that does it. God's never asked us to do that anyhow. We can stand in Him. But we have to be able to counteract Satan with the truth. Satan cannot stand against God's truth. The gates of hell cannot, will never prevail, will never come against, can never overtake, can never uh, take God's kingdom. We have God's kingdom living inside of us. We are part of His kingdom. We allow God to live in us and through us. But we find that through God's word, God's truth. Uh, remember, we talked about this when, when, God was, uh, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Jesus quoted scripture. He quoted scripture. He used truth to, to defeat Satan. Guys, that's our that is our weapon. And if we don't focus on the Word of God, when we don't spend time in the Word of God, when we don't fill our minds with the Word of God, we are going to be deceived and joy and happiness is going to be depleted from us. It's going to be sucked right out of us because we're going to fall back into those traps. We have to guard ourselves and focus on God's Word, which Paul talks about there in verse 16. The truth. Staying focused on the truth. And then the last thing that we read about in verses 17 and 18 is focusing on others. Paul was about focusing on others. Paul was about loving God, loving others. We talked about that last week. Loving God, loving others. It's about the Trinity. It's how the Trinity lives out. Do you understand the Trinity? The Trinity literally exists to glorify the other one. That's what they're all about. When we, when we see Jesus' life in the Gospels, it wasn't about Him. It was about glorifying God. It was about glorifying God the Father, His mission, His vision, His, His glory. It was all about Him. That's what they do. God, Jesus glorifies the Father. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies, the Holy Spirit glorifies the, the Son, the Father, it works, it, they all work in tandem, glorifying each other. They're all about each other. It's this Trinitarian glorification, exaltation thing happening. That's what our lives are supposed to replicate. Not, it's not about us. It's about, the, uh, it's about others. It's about loving God, loving others. Gary Collins wrote a book on marriage, and he talks about that too. He talks about, you know, we often go into marriage thinking that our partner is there to make us happy. And he's saying, what if we looked at marriage differently? What if we looked at marriage uh, from the perspective that we're married to become stronger in God, to become, to become, to, to bring God glory? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that if I look at my spouse, or if you looked at your spouse, and, and I look at my spouse and I say, you know what, I exist to bring my spouse glory, to, to exalt my spouse, to make her you know, the best that she can be in, the, you know, in God's glory, right? Can you imagine the marriage we'll have? And again, that's hard at times. I get that. But can you imagine? That's what the Trinity is all about, too. It's like a Trinitarian marriage counseling. I would invite you to, to look at your marriage like that and your relationships where we're looking at other people, uh, exalting other people and not ourselves. I hope you have a. Uh, I hope you spend some time just looking through the rest of this passage again this week. I ask that you would just spend some time with God. Look where your joy, your happiness comes from, and really do some introspection. Are you buying into Satan's lies, or are you focusing on the truth? I hope you're focusing on the truth, and I hope to see you next week and worship with you with you next week. Have an awesome week.